but I'm least a deacon. <laughs> so, that's my qualification. <laughs> I'm a member of Burnish team, yeah. <clears throat> At this point. And I've got some notes. Here's what. I was uh, wondering whatever I could say about men of God, biblical characteristics and qualifications. Oh, well, there's plenty in the Bible to look at that we could fill 45 minutes with uh, comfortably. And I thought, well, I really pray that God would bring out the areas and issues that are important to us this morning and that the emphasis would, would, would be on those things. The first thing I thought about looking into the Bible and also looking at leaders we've got, that there doesn't seem to be any quality or type of person that is a leader. You can't say that this person in my church or in this church is going to be a leader because they've got these natural abilities or natural qualifications. That, that isn't God's way of doing things. God's way of doing things in the Bible as well is quite different, and I think we'll, we'll see that as we look <clears throat> at uh, some of these points together. Let's look at Mark <clears throat> chapter 10, first of all. I think is a, I felt was the very important comment that the Lord Jesus makes about, about leadership. Mark 10 and verse 42. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I thought that was the, the underlying <clears throat> thing. Jesus, of course, was the, the greatest leader of men, the greatest disciple that we've, we've known in, in, in the Christian church. And Jesus himself lays down this important thing, that leaders come primarily as servants. So the characteristic that we see, first of all, in a leader is that of a servant. And his aim towards his people is to put as much into serving people in leading them as he possibly can. And he gives this service, first of all, to God, and then to others. So I'd like us to sort of keep those verses sort of an underlying uh, thought as we look at other biblical qualifications and characteristics that are down here. The next point I, I made was that there are, <clears throat> that there don't seem to be any rules in who God chooses, that God appoints whom he will with leadership. When God goes out and appoints it's God that chooses. There's no, there's no sort of following on of leadership. God chooses whom he will. And often the people that God chooses are unsuspecting, <laughs> if you like. They're not expecting to be chosen. They're not expecting to be in a place of leadership. Perhaps some of you feel like that, you know. If uh, God is calling you or people around have sort of asked you to take a lead, you thought, well, who, me? You know, I, I'm not expecting to be. There's no sort of set type or, or breeding. I'll quickly go through some examples in Scripture, which no doubt you can all think of. Um, different ones. Gideon, who became a, a great leader in the Old Testament. I preached on it Sunday night, Trevor's smiling. <laughs> so it's 
in my mind at the moment. He was a very frightened young man, and he was hiding away from the enemy, uh, threshing wheat in a winepress, hiding away from, from the uh, Midianites. And God sent an angel to him, and he said to him, Hi there, Gideon, leader, mighty man of valor. And he was hiding. <laughs> God had got a sort of sense of humor when he called him. Perhaps uh, some of us feel like that. God calls us and says, hi there, leader, great man. And he says, oh, me. <laughs> and th th this was God's way with him. Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, he said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. God called him to be a leader. David was the youngest. He was the least Jesse didn't bother bringing him in to the room. And yet we read in 1 Samuel 13 that David was a man after God's heart. And there's a qualification for someone. Someone who's, who was after God's own heart. Moses, a reluctant leader. Didn't he say in his Exodus chapter 4, send somebody else. <laughs> Not me, send somebody else, you know. <clears throat> Some, perhaps a lot of us feel like that when it comes to doing things in leadership. Oh, not, not me, sense. let somebody else do it, you know. Jeremiah said, Lord, how can I speak? I don't know what to say. I'm only a child. Who, me? And Paul, to look at an opposite character, was in outright opposition to the church. And God saved him and chose him to be leader of his church. And what a leader he was. So his character was just the opposite. He, he was nowhere near leadership. And God chose him out of the world, as it were, to set him up and to train him into leadership. On the other side, there are people in leadership, not many, but people like Daniel, who in fact was noble in his birth and lived as a prince, even in a foreign land, and was very strong in his character and very forthright for the Lord. And God used him as a leader. He didn't start from a place of weakness. Daniel started as a man who knew where he stood from a very young age. So we see that often men of God, women of God, when they're chosen, need convincing <laughs> uh, by the Lord of who, they are, of who they are in the Lord. But once convinced, and we'll look at a bit at, at, at convincing, once convinced, then all of these people were very willing leaders for God, very forward and very motivated in serving the Lord. Um, let's look at 1 Peter, <clears throat> chapter 5. Um, verse 2. <clears throat> Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And there is uh, a lot more characteristics coming out there in those scriptures. That once convinced, the leader for God is willing Willing because he wants to do it for God. He wants to serve these people. Not for gain. Not for glory. And I think perhaps we, we, we think that, you know, 
not for money or not for, for prestige or not for the fact that you're being at the front, but because of the willing. The motivation is that you want to serve God and to stand out to be an example, to be an example, you know. Not lording over those you trusted, but being examples to the flock. <clears throat> and that seems to be a, a primary thing in, in, in leading. There's a text or a little saying, not a text, that you see on the back of cars, don't you? Don't follow me, follow Christ. I have to hesitate saying this. My father's got one on the back of his car. <laughs> but I wonder as a Christian leader if that's not a bad thing to say. When the good thing should be, imitate me as uh, as, as we can see, Paul said, be imitators of me in, in 1 Timothy 4, uh, verse 12. So I've got down. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we read this. For, Paul says, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they might be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, you know, and that's uh, that's quite a thing, isn't it? C can you say as a leader, follow me, you know? Um, I listened to some John Wimber tapes a, a few months ago, and some fellow from a church was shouting up about some changes and this, that, and the other, and I forget the context, but John Wimber answer back to the fellow in the, in the audience was, well, what if your church produced 50 Christians like you? And the fellow sat down because <laughs> uh, he thought, gosh, what a terrible church it would be if there were 50 Christians like me. What would your church be like? What would your house group be like? What would your young people's group be like if, if they reproduced you in them? And that's really, as leaders, people are going to be watching us as examples. And that is a tremendous challenge to our character. Um, don't follow me, follow Christ. But really, people are going to be imitators. And that should be... Uh, our ability, our example. We don't want people saying, I'm of Paul, or I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Cephas, but of Christ, certainly, but able to imitate the style in which we follow our Lord. Of course, the most important quality we see in the New Testament of leadership is from, mentioned, implied in all places, but obviously in Acts chapter 6, about choosing out men that are full of the Holy Spirit. And, and that is important beyond all other, that we are ruled and governed by the Lord. After all, what we're here today talking about is spiritual leadership. We're not talking about organizational ability. We're not talking about uh, uh, ability to read books and understand and pass it on. We're talking about spiritual leadership, the ability to be led by the Spirit of God and to discern and to know and to understand what God is saying by his Spirit. And, and that is, is just what it is, <laughs> spiritual leadership. And without that, we, we can go nowhere. We really all need to be at that place where we're filled consistently and constantly by God's Spirit. And we need to keep on being filled by him because out of our own strength, we'll accomplish and do nothing for God. The leadership that we see in the, in the Bible often sees the leader as the man who spends more time with God than he spends leading. 
a man of prayer, a man who spends time with God, who's really in touch with what God has got to say. The Lord Jesus himself was the prime example. He spent many, many hours, many whole nights, whole periods of time alone with the Father, away from the disciples. In the Old Testament, many of the, of the men of God that we use were, were people that went aside, that stayed with God. The prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, they had many, many periods, often months alone with God, where they were face to face with the Lord and they really heard and were able to hear what God is saying. As leaders nowadays, and, uh, and for myself, it is so easy to be so busy and not to have time for God. You know, you off, I, I could talk to all of you here today, and I've spoken to many of you, and said, oh, I've had a busy week, or we've had a rush to get here. Or, and yet the characteristic of the man of God, the qualification is that time with God. And when you meet that person, and I'm sure we all know those persons, we know that that person's been close to the Lord and you can feel and know their presence. And I think as I was preparing this, that was a, a great challenge there. That what, what, How do I qualify? What are my characteristics? Are, am I a man of prayer? A man who's got that relationship with God. And then when places come where we need to be leading or to be speaking out, then it comes from a point of we knowing where God's thinking and what God's doing in that situation. Because primarily we're hearing from God and it's so easy for the devil to keep us busy. Busy with good things, not bad things. Busy with good things. Busy leading, busy doing, busy helping, busy organizing. And yet really we need to be with God. A man of prayer. So often in the Old Testament, Daniel, you know, got himself into trouble praying. <laughs> Many of the others were, were often away with God. But when they came, what they had to say might have been just one message, but it was the right message, because it was a message that God had been saying to them. More time with God than listening to men. I'm sure that uh, a lot of us are a long way from, from that position in, in, in our qualifications for leadership. Um... Let's look at 1 Timothy and look at some of the uh, qualifications that uh, Paul mentions here. <coughs> Could either call these God's qualifications as, uh, as written down by Paul or the Pauline qualifications, if you like. <laughs> um, it, there's quite a lot in the New Testament from Paul about leading because he was so keen to set up the churches and, and to see that they had got good leaders in them at all levels, um, both the deacon level, the teaching level, at uh, children rearing level, at all sorts of levels where there was leadership. Paul was, was interested and was praying that it should be set up right. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, we, we read about overseers and we read about characteristics and qualifications and really we couldn't talk about the scriptural qualifications of men of God without mentioning these that are down here in verse 3 well let's let's read it through from uh, 
and verse 2. Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to much wine, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited or fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. And so he goes on and talks to about the qualifications for deacons, which to a large extent are are similar, just slightly different. Let's look at some of those in, in, in some detail or under some headings. First of all, the man of God must be above reproach in his character socially. Socially. His reputation with, um, with outsiders. He must have a good reputation, it says in verse 7, with outsiders. And in, uh, in verse 3, um, his reputation, in verse 2, his reputation is that of being respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. Now, we live in days when a lot of people would say, well, I don't care what people think. <laughs> you know, I know I'm, I'm getting on well with God. I know I'm okay. And the whole attitude of, of, of younger people, perhaps, is that they just live their lives the way they want to, and society can think what they like. And yet, as men of God, as people chosen out to be leaders, here the Bible says that we need to be careful of, of what the world thinks, what the world sees of us that we need to be above reproach, socially. And then also, above reproach, morally. Moral qualifications. The husband of one wife. Temperate. Self-controlled. Uh, all these things add up to respectability, you know. We probably saw when we were, you know, when you're a youngster, you know, respectability, it sounds horrible, you know, it sounds really dull. And yet it isn't, you know, it's exciting. It's tough <laughs> standing out for respectability uh, with God and to be at that place. Some of these qualifications mean that our minds have got to be qualified, they're, they're mental qualifications. Yeah. I sometimes think I'm mental. <laughs> Sometimes I get told I'm mental. <laughs> but how, how are you mentally in your qualifications? Because there's quite a few points here which mean we've got to be mentally qualified. Self-controlled is a mental qualification. It means our minds have got to be controlling our thought life and our actions. You know? And that means daily. And that takes discipline, because as leaders, we're not here to please ourselves, but to please God, and to please and to serve the others that we're serving. It takes mental qualifications, I believe, 
to keep at that point of respectability, you know, to keep ourselves disciplined socially and with people round about and in the world. We have to be careful because the devil goes around trying to trip us up like a roaring lion. This is the battle that we're in. And then also mentally, the qualification is someone who's able to teach as a leader and wants to. Someone who's able to lead people and wants to. Um, in the, the <clears throat> And then the personality. The personality. Now God chooses all kinds of personalities, doesn't he, in leadership. You meet them, don't you? Some right characters. <laughs> We've got one here called Bernie. No. <laughs> but there are others in leadership who are very quiet to me. Bernie's very quiet, really. He just pretends to be. <laughs> very quiet in leadership. They, they, they don't hardly speak. They don't say boo to anybody. And yet when they get a chance to share what God is saying, or to act for God, or to see things for God, then there is a power and authority to them that you thought, goodness me, I never imagined that. I can remember when I went to, to uh, Birmingham some years ago to hear Dave Wilkerson speak, um, and I was ended up right on the front row, because there were no other seats, not because I was that keen, you know. <laughs> And I was sitting on the front row and he came and stood like, and, and he'd been sitting sort of there, you know, and he was sort of fidgety and he was nervous and he was, you know, like this. And I thought, goodness me, is this this great man of God who's done all this work and cast out all these, you know, that worked with these drug addicts? I thought, goodness me. And he stood there and he, he sort of, sort of faltering, he looked around and stopped and he said, I, I'd, I'd like to preach tonight, he said, but, uh, well, he said, there's three people at the back there who are filled with an evil spirit and I can't preach until they leave. Would you leave, please? And that was the first thing he did, you know. I sort of fell off the seat and thought, how good is he didn't point at the front row? <laughs> you know, I'd have gone even if it wasn't me, you know. <laughs> and nobody moved and he stuck it out until these people went. And then he preached, and, and what power, you know, what authority that man had got. And yet, yet, yet as soon as he'd finished, he, he sort of shrank back into this meek little frightened fellow, and he went and sat down again. And I thought, goodness me. Because that was a man who was controlled, and his personality wasn't his, his leadership. It was it because was he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was anointed for that task that God was in him. And that was a lesson that I, I really haven't learned, you know. The, the personality doesn't matter. It got, the, the world chooses leaders in terms of, of their ability to, to impose their personality, if you like, on other people. But God doesn't choose in that respect. Anyway, looking at personality, someone who's, who's not violent, but someone who's gentle, a peacemaker, not given to much wine, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, Personality. How are we in, in, in personality? Um, I, I heard a saying recently, I don't know whether it was from the pulpit here in Bridge North or, or other ways, that you don't find out what's in a man 
until you get him like a tube of toothpaste and you squeeze him. <laughs> How are you when you're squeezed? What comes out? You know, is it nice or is it not nice? You know, I think perhaps we all have to confess that often at the point where we're squeezed, then the real stuff inside isn't as nice. You know, and that's the areas where God wants to deal with us as leaders and to qualify us to be for him. So at the point when we're squeezed in leadership, or in normal circumstances out in the world, then what comes out is, uh, is good, you know. Got the green stripes. <laughs> Got the green stripes in it. Good for God. The leader must have good domestic qualifications. How are you domestically? If he's a man, he must manage his own family well and see that his, his children obey him with proper respect. And we can apply that to... to, to um, to the ladies as well at, at home. How are our domestic qualifications? How does our wife match up? Christian man, is she well covered, well protected, well loved, well served by you? Does she serve you well? I praise God I've got a wonderful wife behind me. Keeps me on the road. and <laughs> Keeps me a little bit straighter than I would be if she wasn't around, praise God. And, and you know, praise God if you're a leader and you've got such a wife, that, that is a, a qualification, you know, that includes our wives, someone who can be hospitable, you know, because we've got that firm base at home, we've got that place where you know you can take in um, those people, that's a, a qualification. Then we've got this qualification of maturity. Maturity. Now Trevor's going to be speaking on maturity later on. So I mustn't say too much. I haven't got much to say anyway <laughs> about it. What is this maturity? This, uh, this maturity in leadership. The only point I would like to make about leadership in terms of qualifications is that they mustn't be, the Bible tells us in many places, mustn't be a recent convert. No, but someone who's grown in God and had time in God and this brings down the whole area that in leadership often in Bible leadership leaders are chosen as I've said often quiet often need convincing often people unsuspecting but after that there comes a period of training a period alone often with another man of God or a period alone with God themselves where they are trained they're not suddenly brought into leadership. Perhaps Paul was the quickest that is brought into leadership that we, we see in, in the Bible. But he was put alone and he was trained by another man of God before he was able to come out. He was put with Barnabas and Barnabas eventually was able to, to lead Paul to a place where Paul became, you know, preeminent in, fr in front of Barnabas. And that, that's tremendous place. Where do we see the people that we're trying to lead? Do we want to bring them on so they come past us and overtake us or do we want to just always stay in front? You know? uh, that's another point. There are the disciples themselves of course were the ultimate in that they were discipled. They were chosen by God and were by Jesus and he kept them with him for three years. And trained them. They were the best trained. 
You know, just imagine that if you could have three years with Jesus. Come on, pack your jobs. You can have three years being trained by Jesus. They, they were the best trained. Many of the prophets, disciples, and even kings in the Old Testament had a period of training. Even David had, had the period when he was, he was the youngest. But then he got Samuel, who was a man of God. And Samuel was always going to David. David was always going to Samuel. There was somebody there that he could learn from, that he could build up. He didn't come to be king as the youngest. He was anointed to be king while he was the youngest. But he, eventually, when he came eventually into being king, he'd been through many battles, many wars. He'd seen God already stand by him many times before he got to that place. And, and as leaders, we need to be um, brought through to that place in, in, in discipline. Moses was was someone who was brought up in Pharaoh's household, knew he was a Jew and wanted to be a leader for the people. And he took it when he was 40 years old. It's young to be a leader for him. He took it on his own self. We've had a lot about 40 years old lately. I don't know why. <laughs> he took it upon himself to... to, to uh, to slay that Egyptian, if you remember, and um, because he thought, this is the place where I'm going to step out and to lead. And then realizing what he'd done and he hadn't got God's strength, he had to run away and he had to be out. And God had to train him and retrain him out there in the desert for another 40 years before he was useful. And the Moses that came back out of that time of training was very meek, you know, the the meek shall inherit the earth and Moses became an inheritor of God's promises at that point it wasn't his natural character to be meek we often think of, of meek and mild people as being the, you know, the quiet ones the ones that don't say much or the ones that take one step forward and two steps back you know, that these are the meek but that's not so in, in scripture the meek are the ones whose characters have been changed by God so that they can accept meekness and God's made them into that and Moses had to be changed into that and he was trained in that period, trained by circumstances by tough circumstances maybe some of you have had tough circumstances in your life that have trained you I've had some tough circumstances in my life in the last 18 months that have been training me and I praise God for, for, for that, you know, that uh, I've, I've been ill and, and God's been healing me but it's been a process that's taken some time and praise God I'm here really well today you see people some people come to and say you look well I say, well, of course i am well god's been healing me and dealing with me and praise god uh, to be able to be here to do this and to share with you this morning so not someone who's who's a recent convert but someone who's been chosen and been discipled and been trained and we all need to be constantly trained all the time in in, in leadership Just a few more points just to finish off then. I'll make this session quite short, give a bit longer for some of the others. <laughs> a man of vision in leadership. Someone who spends that time with God that we talked about before. And in faith, they're able to see future possibilities. They're able to see, perhaps not the end of, of, of things, but the beginning of possibilities for people, possibilities for individuals, possibilities for churches, and some leaders even for nations in God 
They were able to see the possibilities. They were men of encouragement, people who saw building up, people who saw best, not people who, who, who look at things depressively and think, oh no, I don't stand a chance with this person, or God doesn't stand a chance with this person, but someone who believes and can pray through with people and believe the best for them. A man of vision in that idea, in that way. But not all leaders have got tremendous gifts of vision. But it is a qualification in the scripture. And not all men of vision become leaders. Some leaders need men of vision alongside them and with them. Leadership is is often corporate. We can't all have the gifts. These are qualifications and possibilities. And I think a man of vision becomes a leader when he's able to make, to act on the vision and make it into a decision. <laughs> yeah? Because while something's still an idea or a vision, it's, it's, it, you're not leading. It's only when you, you know that that's what God's saying and, and the leader or the, the team of leaders or the eldership, or, or, or whatever group you're in, or the house group, you sort of say, well, this is the vision that God's given us, and we'll make the decision to step in that direction. And then it becomes uh, leadership. And then finally, nearly finally, the one <laughs> nearly finally, yeah, humility. Humility. That's very difficult for leaders to be humble. <laughs> Here's a battleground for us as people involved at any level in the church, whether it just be as a parent leading our house at home, as father over our children, whether it be as, as a house group leader or a Sunday school teacher or leader, young people's leader, or as a as a church leader, an elder, a deacon, or at any level, the battleground of humility. God resists the proud. <laughs> and here we are at a position where we're trying to lead for the Lord. And pride would come rushing in, you know, very easily, you know. It's very nice to be here this morning sharing with you. But what a battle with pride at the point where, where you're the one that is doing the leading. And yet it's only by God's grace that any of us stand and can see and can understand and can share. You know, we need to be constantly aware lest we come to a point of fall. You know, The only qualification on which we stand is through Jesus' blood and through what he's done for us. And we will not build on any of our abilities. The very breath we take is, is from God. The abilities we've been given are from God, whether we've got natural gifting or gifting in the Holy Spirit, it's of God. There's not anything that is of ourselves. Nothing that deserves praise. When people come and say, Glory, that was a nice word, that was a good word, throw those comments out the window. You know, forget them. <laughs> you know, it's good, to have a, it's good to have a memory as a leader, but it's good to have a, be able to forget as well. Well, I was saying to Trevor before, while I've been uh, ill and I've had some treatment with some drugs, it seems to affect my memory. I meet people and I can't remember the names. It's terrible uh, and it's embarrassing, you know. It keeps you humble, you know. You've known somebody for years and you say hello and um, um, you're... Uh. <laughs> we need to work at our humility and our pride and we need God to... Um... All right, Tom, just be quiet. Oh, to a friend, yeah. <laughs> 
you know, we, we need, we need to, to, to really pray about this battleground of pride, I believe, as, as leaders or as those that are chosen. It would have been so easy for, for David, even as the youngest of the family, to, uh, once Samuel said, you are the cho- you know, you're going to be the one that God's going to make as king. Goodness me. Couldn't he have gone around, you know, get out of the road, God's chosen me, you can't hurt me, mate. But he wasn't like that. He went away into hiding. He had a group of men whom he served, whom he loved, who he cared for. And he cared for so much they were willing to lay down their lives for him. The, the, the mighty men and the men that were, were around David. He really stood out in this battleground of humility and pride. And in that area, the leader, I believe, can stay at a point of friendship with the people who he leads. A point where you're leader, but you're still a friend. I mean, Bernard's been our leader here at Bridgenall Baptist for 14 years, and miraculously, I'm still friendly with him. You know, (laughs) we all have our times (laughs) when we fall out, praise God. But we've got someone who can deal with our problems and we can forgive and be forgiven by one another. But the leader, in, in his humility as he leads, can remain at a closeness, I believe, to God and a closeness to those that are following because leadership can be a very lonely place, can't it? Because there are some leaders who feel they just can't get too close to the people that they're trying to lead. But I believe in God and and with the ability to stay humble with him, you can be close and friendly. The disciples who went with Jesus, Jesus said, look, I no longer call you my friends. I call you my brothers in the Lord. That's how close they were. Anyway, I'll finish there. A person who chooses, who God chooses to serve, to lead, to serve, what did it say in that first scripture we, we look? Not like the world chooses, but God chooses those to serve him and to serve the people and to bring them on. The person who God chooses to serve, full of the Holy Ghost. Amen.